0: Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show. Do you dream of the day you finally say bye-bye to your teenage or adult children? The day you finally get your house back? Well, maybe you're already there. Some of you aren't, though, and the upsides, they're obvious. What about the downsides? What about adult kids moving back in with their spouses? All that coming up next on the Matt Townsend Show right after Sam McCall
1: and the news. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. White House and State Department officials knew that a militant Islamist group had claimed responsibility for the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Libya two hours after the incident took place, according to official emails. The emails were obtained by Reuters from a source who has remained anonymous and detailed the specifics of the attack and that an extremist group based in Libya had taken responsibility via a Facebook post. Despite having that information, White House officials claimed the attack was due to a spontaneous protest against a YouTube video for nearly two weeks after the event. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton responded to the released emails saying that a Facebook post cannot be taken as evidence. An investigation is still underway to try and find out exactly who is responsible for the attack that killed four Americans. Donald Trump has been talking up a big announcement that he said could have changed the presidential race, and today we finally found out what his big news is. Unsurprisingly, the news turned out to be less of a shock and more of a deal. Trump has offered to donate $5 million to the charity of President Barack Obama's choice if he will release his college and passport records. Trump has been one of the leaders of the birther movement that claims the president was not born in the U.S. The donation is only on the table until the 31st of this month, and it is unlikely the Obama campaign will take this seriously. Facebook stock is finally starting to turn around after one of the worst initial public offerings in history. Stock prices rose 21% today to just over 23 dollars 5 on the heels of strong revenue reports based on the rising sales of mobile advertisements. The mobile ads accounted for 14% of Facebook's total revenue in the third quarter, a strong growth for the company which had no mobile ads just a year ago. Despite the spike in st- Stock price levels are still nowhere near the original offering price of $38, which means there still may be a long way to go before going public starts looking like a profitable move. Barnes & Noble booksellers are warning customers that have shopped at 63 of their stores a sophisticated criminal effort may have stolen their credit card information. According to the company, the criminals had rigged keypads where customers input sensitive information, like PIN numbers, to report that information back to them. The bug was discovered in the system, leading to all the keypads at each of the affected stores to be shut down by the middle of last month. FBI officials are investigating the identity theft further, and Barnes & Noble officials are urging customers who swiped their cards at one of the affected stores to change their PIN numbers. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on our show to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. Healthier, happier relationships. And today we are going to blow it open. If you are an empty nester, uh, if you're somebody out there whose kidlets have fled the house, they're no longer there, just slowly taking your goodness. If they've left you alone and you're feeling, I don't know the joy maybe of the solitude, or the sadness of having to now face that person that you haven't talked to for years that you call your partner. We're going to be talking about empty nesting and how to make sure that your marriage still works, your life still runs okay, how to get over some of the doom and gloom that might hit you around empty nesting, and we're also going to be talking about uh, how to handle it when your empty nest gets filled back up with a bunch of people that just need a place to park their bodies. And to get started on that, we're bringing on our boss. We, he likes to be called Boss Man, Don Shaline. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, respectful introduction. <laughs> you bet, Boss Man. <laughs> Yo, Boss. He likes it when we talk like <laughs> Wolfman Jack. Um, so Boss Man, Don Shaline. Now, Don is the radio manager, BYU radio manager, mm-hmm. the guru, we call him. He, In fact, just sitting here listening to our headsets, he's like, Fixing our headsets. telling us,
2: hey, where's the engineer? This isn't working this right. This one's not working
0: the properly. That's a problem. So, but he's Give me some that, duct tape. When Don starts talking, everyone starts jumping around. Uh, here. Whatever. So, Don, you're married to
2: Pam. Yes. How long have you been married? Many moons.
3: Many you're, moons. Ask, you're asking me the hard questions. Yeah. then.
0: You're starting out I'm with the testing, hard questions. I'm testing because I bet you she's going to listen and yeah. she'll be frustrated that you didn't know. Oh, I can't remember. What does it feel like? How many <laughs> years does it feel like, Don? Let's just start like that. Two, three two, years. Two, three Max. Always yeah. a good answer. Yeah. We just yeah. helped you bail that one out.
2: No, it's yeah. I'm, if you give me some time in a calendar, I'll you work that one out. Just,
0: we'll have, yeah. Pam if you're out there, give us a call. Eight oh one. Which
2: anniversary is it? Four two zero one four two. The rubber band anniversary. Anyway.
0: So you've been married a while. Yes. Many moons. Yeah. Uh, you have adult children.
2: Yes, we do. How many? How many? Oh, again, that's a trick question. <laughs> our, our youngest is on an LDS mission. Okay, where? So that would by be uh, he, he's actually turning twenty. He's in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, up in the so, Panhandle.
0: And he left probably a that's, year ago. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's been about a year.
0: So you've been empty nesting for a year.
2: Yes, sir. Kids are gone. Loving every Life, minute of I it. I bet
0: you're loving it. You love to <laughs> garden. You guys get we do.
2: home we We have very much enjoyed empty nesting if you whatever you yeah, the just term is being you know. free from yeah. children um and it's been a great time to kind of get to know each other again and um and it's not to say we don't miss the kids you love your kids, yeah we do and and we love getting together with them when they come back for yeah. holidays Tem- and things yeah, like that on a
0: temporary basis yeah
2: and we we live very much by the adage of uh, grandkids are so great because you can spoil them then send right. them home send you them know, home. And, And suddenly it doesn't matter.
0: So you have some new news. Yes. So you've been free for a year. Unhindered, unencumbered. Yes.
2: And you got a call, I guess? Well, let me say this. We... Um, made kind of a blanket offer at one point to all of our children yeah. that hey if you ever get to a point where things are, are rough or whatever we've got a house that's big enough that yeah. if you need to come and just uh, stay for a bit and kind of get back on your feet was you're that welcome that to was so. just
0: one of those things you just throw out there but you didn't think they'd ever take It's
2: kind of like when you go visit people and say is there anything I can do to help <laughs> yeah what and if I then then have, say, yeah, yeah. can you mow my lawn <laughs> you're like I'm what? sorry <laughs> I can't hear you. My back's bad. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, so
0: some, one of your kids picked you up on that. Offer. Yes,
2: yeah. Just recently, our daughter and son-in-law—they have a little daughter, you know, our granddaughter—and uh, a baby is on the way. Yeah. Uh, hard times have hit. And yep. This this son-in-law is out of work. He's going to school. Needs to get caught up now. Yeah. They've been uh, renting a place, and uh, the rent is done. And and rather than look for another place, yeah. they said, "Would do you mind if?
0: I mean, just we, can we just crash?
2: Yeah." just I don't bit. like the word crash because no. that sounds very That sounds violent, painful. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Can uh, we just
0: come and have a layover? Yes, a sleepover? A sleepover for a year or two? They didn't give you a time though.
2: No, no, we I, uh, as we talked about um, the the future possibilities and I, we we understand that you should one should uh, get things kind of clarified yeah. in writing and things Diet, like that damn, so legal that, uh, I'd I'd probably do some blood tests prenup yeah or, or whatever they call <laughs> some it some labs um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we we were attempting to do that with a little pre move in meeting yeah. And, um, we it's weren't hard. very specific. Yeah. Well, and it, you
0: don't because you love them and you want to help them. Yeah. And you're here you to help. Wanna, you don't
2: want to pound them down further. No. They're they're, no, some they're hard down. times. And
0: and then yet you're wondering. Ugh.
2: Yeah. I mean, because you may not be wondering, but I'd be wondering. Things can go wrong. Yeah. I know this because when I was a young married pup, uh, and and we had moved around a bit. I was, yeah. I, I was in the radio business. You move around. Yeah. And, and so. At two different times, I was moving back into the Utah area and uh, looking for a place to rent. And in the meantime, I stayed with first my parents the first time, yeah. second time with my, my wife's parents. And it was just for a month. And that was see, the longest month. Well, and that, and you were the little in. You were <laughs> yeah. the young in. I was, I was the kid with the—let's uh, uh, see, the first time I think I had—we had one child. No, wait— Yes, both times we had just one child. So, see, this is
0: interesting because you're um, you're now seeing it as the adult, kind mean, of not. I guess they're all adults, but you're now seeing it as the parent. Yeah, and do you, you sense which role is easier? I mean, it's hard for
2: either one of us. Yeah, I think it's hard on both sides. Yeah. I think fa- fairly speaking. It is just hard once you've been out and you you call your own shots and you decide what time you get up and you decide if you play video games at night or whatever, suddenly to be in somebody else's house and no matter what they do or don't say, you know, okay, that's kind of bugging that. Yeah. I can't really. Are they is it all right yeah. if I sit here? That's and, my chair. Yeah, he's sitting in my chair, Archie yeah. Bunker. Yeah, it's
0: it, <laughs> you it's can call easy. him Meathead. Are you, okay, oh, this will be that'll great. Work. That'll that'll
2: uh, improve the relationship. You sure.
0: Meathead. <laughs> now the neat thing is, so they already have one child. Yes. So I guess that's great. I guess yeah. Pam's probably just so excited to she be is. her grandbaby. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's looking forward to that to being able to to uh, play with the the current. Granddaughter, and then with a baby on the way, it's like, you know, mom can be right there and and help uh, get things started. (laughs) Cricket. cricket. now I've got some
0: great news for you, Don. What's that? I found an article in um, the the magazine The Week. If you've seen The Week, W E E K. But uh, listen to just the headline Why It's Impossible to Ignore the Sound of a Crying Baby. <laughs> so, um, Oxford University researchers Great. have found that people are pretty wired, including grandparents, including to grandparents. respond to a child's distress signal of crying. Really? Yep. Huh. Even if you don't want to. Even if you don't want to, let's just say, because, I don't like, know, let's say you're sleeping. It. Yeah. Like, just, ha- yeah, here's an example you're sleeping. And your brand new baby that will be born sometime soon and then will be brought home to your home Uh with your daughter and it'll be your grandbaby. Uh, Let's just say that baby cries, hypothetically.
2: Hypothetically, because they normally don't. They don't. Usually, yeah.
0: But apparently this little bundle of joy, when it's disgruntled, the researchers have found that there's a reason it's upset and science says that it's going to trigger an emotional response in everyone in the home, basically. (laughs) Uh, in the brain, you're, high, you're hardwired to hear it. No matter how hard you try, you can't tune out a baby that's crying, so even if you're just,
2: a man. Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute, these guys that uh, you know, nope. are dead asleep in the yeah. bed. And... Now, short of being deaf,
0: yeah. you're probably going to then hear this cute little baby cry. And according to the researchers led by Dr. Katie Young and Dr. Christine Parsons, they put 28 people through the sound baby test, and they basically found once you hear it, it's even more so than a whimpering cat or a whimpering dog. When you hear a baby cry, you're going to have a visceral response, a visceral response, <laughs> an emotional response that will create an intense reaction a hundred milliseconds after the baby cries. Wow. And that sounds, uh, it, it's, it's a neural response that will hit you. It will go to this kind of fight or flight part of your brain, and you're immediately going to have to take care of that. Just thought you'd want to know that. <laughs> Thank I you. I think that's a neat you, little man. grandfatherly. Let me clarify visceral bit of response joy. does not equal sleep. Right? No. I no. think you're not going to be sleeping much. Uh, now, huh. what are the odds that your grandchild could be colicky?
2: You know, you never know. Have any of your kids been colicky? Well, who knows? Well, I bet Pam does. <laughs> <laughs> Pam's no, I, already thought this what, what, through. What I'm saying is is that, you know, is it colic or are they grouchy? Are they disgruntled? Have they just lost their gruntles? Or are they just mad that they always have to be at grandpa's? Yeah. I mean, it, it could be that they have something, you know, deep-seated. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, they're, they're crying. That's the, that's the point. That's right. No.
0: And the neat thing is you guys get up
2: early, so you guys really ought to take that morning shift. <laughs> I mean, if you loved that's, your grandchild, yeah, you'd get in on the morning shift. Well, uh, hopefully, you can give me some advice here, Matt. I'm I'm about to listen to a great advice show from Matt yep. Townsend. I just find think out. it's fun to just kind of wallow in this. <laughs> you're for a you're bit. just going to beat beat me up, I can tell. Well, I
0: think it's neat that you're doing it because I Thanks. personally wouldn't let my kids back.
2: You you would move or something. Well, that's
0: I've been with them so much lately. Mm-hmm. They're, mine are young. <laughs> that's true. And so you still got them there. I've got them there, but I might have two leaving within a year. Yeah. So when that happens, then I might get sad and want them back.
2: You kind of do. You kind of go, oh yeah. You look at these pictures when they're little oh, and all that and kind of stuff. Cute and you forget again. all the bad stuff, and, and then the baby anything. cries. Yeah,
0: and then now you you already have an answer for this. I've heard because isn't don't you have a room somewhere in your house that's specially made for babies?
2: <laughs> well, yes. You see. I do uh, sound recordings and things like yeah. that. Do voice work and <laughs> what the like, and and I have a soundproof booth,
3: booth or a room. Y- yeah, do you
2: call it a booth. It's more or a do booth. Call it it's room. small, <laughs> so it, it sounds like a baby's booth. Yeah. So we could we could now adapt that <laughs> put the baby in there. Put just the put a little speaker that
0: just goes yeah. right to an earphone to the for your mom for the mom.
2: Uh, yeah. For, for the dad, not to us. No. <laughs> and that's all we need. Oh, that's cute. Won't work. <laughs> it won't work. I think <laughs> no. it's illegal yeah, to too. put a baby in a booth. Probably, yeah.
0: Even if it's soundproof. Yeah. So I, I, we don't. I don't have advice for you, but we are going to ask our experts on this. We have a psychiatrist coming on and his wife, who is an expert in communication. Um, they're going to be coming on in a bit, and Jim and Linda Brooks are their names, and they're going to have advice for you. I know they are. Wonderful. What we're supposed to do when we, when we bring kids back into the fold. And how we do this without going crazy. But we just wanted to wish you luck. Thank you. And if there's anything we can do, I have my producers here that are here to help. I may be visiting you at four in the morning or two. See, I'm not not saying I'll be there to help you because (laughs) last time you gave advice, someone actually accepted (laughs) it. Yep. Not advice, but your willingness. So, Don Sheline, you're the man, the myth, the legend. Love having you on the show. Thanks, Matt. Come on back. Let us know. I really want the update. Okay, when we come back, we're going to get into this empty nesting syndrome. What do we do when the kids come home, for heaven's sakes? What do we do to just not, you know, hate each other when we haven't been with each other for years? We'll be back with the Matt Townsend Show answering all those questions right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
4: This summer, at the beach, there's a new lifeguard on duty, and her name is Emily, but she's no human.
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future.
4: Imagine being caught in a powerful ocean riptide. As you struggle to keep your head above the water, you see something in the distance. It's a lifeguard, or is it? This summer, it might just be Emily or the Emergence Integrated Life-Saving Lanyard. Invented by Arizona-based Hydronolix, Emily is a padded surfboard that's capable of swimming up to 28 miles per hour. Powered with a tiny electric pump that shoots a forceful stream of water, this robot lifeguard is about six times faster than its human counterpart. And it's equipped with surfboard sonar so Emily can scan underwater for movements associated with a swimmer in distress. The system can be deployed by a lifeguard from the shore, a boat, or even an airplane. Once in the water, Emily is guided by remote control to the swimmer in trouble. This robot lifeguard even contains a camera and speakers to help calm the person being rescued. Be sure to keep a lookout for Emily this summer at the beach. She'll no doubt be doing the same for you.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Are
3: there some global issues you wish you could know more about or could get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. Become a more informed global citizen and tune into Notes from the Kennedy Center weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about Empty Nester Syndrome which is different than being an empty nester. An empty nester is one whose nest is empty. The syndrome would be then the depression, the funk, the grief, the loneliness that comes because your nest is empty. And uh, we're going to be bringing on some experts uh, who can help us with this. Jim and Linda Brooks, uh, uh, he's a psychiatrist. She's an expert in communications, and they teach couples who are empty nesters how to make it through that stage of life interestingly divorce rates tend to go up during that stage a lot of stuff happens we'll get into all of that but with our topic today we wanted someone uh, to talk about the perspective of preparing for empty nesting we asked our producer madison alfredo to interview someone in this phase let's see what she found
6: so as today our topic is empty nesters I interviewed a lady that is very important to me. She actually asked for her name to be kept off the air, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's my mom, Kristen Allred. She's pretty cool. really like her a lot. So I have an interview with her and how she's prepping to be an empty nester. Right now, um, she just has two kids at home, but they will um, both be out of the home within four short years.
7: As we approach empty nesting... <laughs> 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 we're, we're preparing to go on a mission. And and then, of course, we'd love to to travel to our kids and help them with their children. And if they want to go on vacations or anything like that, to be with our grandkids and our family. With housing, we're definitely going to downsize. I mean, we, we do have a dog, so we'll need a yard, a little yard. But, um, yeah, definitely downsize. So it's less to clean and everything and, you know, spend our money on, on visiting our family and going on a mission and that's in there.
6: Cool. So, so often the problem with empty nesting is that it actually brings out trouble in the marriage because now instead of having the distraction of the kids, it's just you two at the same time. So how are you married? I,
7: I don't think that that will be an issue, um, with us because we were married for five years before having children. And, and had a lot of fun going on weekend trips together and different things together. So, you know, we've, we, we continue to go on, on at least weekly dates and, and enjoy spending time together and um, work together on projects and support one another. And we've always made our marriage the focus of our family. Our marriage is first, and then our children. So I don't think it will be an issue as we're empty nesters.
6: And my personal favorite part of the story. Um, we're like, freedom! Lord.
7: No anxieties. We'll be doing the happy dance.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: we miss so as you can see... My mom's pretty great. They've been prepping for empty nesting by having the main focus of their lives together being their marriage instead of their kids. They also have plans for later on things that they would like to do, different goals that they have. I advise people to take likewise courses and, and words straight from my mom. The end. <laughs> no. No.
0: Your mom seems really happy about this idea.
6: Oh, she is. She's definitely ready for us to get Did out of the house. Did she not get
0: the memo that she's supposed to be depressed about this?
6: <laughs> um, she's
0: not going through the syndrome yeah, of emptiness. Not at she's all. like loving this.
6: Um, well, I mean, it's just always something like growing up. Um, my dad has always said that my mom is his best friend, and so they're excited to get to spend time together. And they've always been focused on having their kids be independent. Remember, like how I moved myself out mm-hmm. of the house, yeah. stuff like that. So they're just like. Yeah, our kids will deal with it. They can. They're
0: big kids. Yeah,
6: they, they know how to do what they're gonna would do. They, would
0: your parents let you back in, or do they like change the locks?
6: Um, they would let us back in, but they've been pretty vocal that they think that that would be really weird.
0: I mean, like you can't live in your car. No. Duh.
6: But they're just like, you don't have to have a nice house. It can be a bad house. Yeah. Like just like the, they find value in the importance of like living. On your own, Yeah.
0: I think this is a great lesson because your parents are planning this. They're not uh-huh. just letting life happen. They're kind of actually anticipating that they want you all gone <laughs> yeah. and they've raised you to be more mature. And they, your parents are, I mean, a lot, a lot of this is in the future. They're going to go on a mission for the, their church in the future, mm-hmm. but they're, they're cleaning the way.
6: Yeah. Yeah. They're preparing for everything now. Like, um, like, my dad has, like, some things where, like, he can't really go upstairs when he will get older. You yeah. know, like, now it's fine. But when he gets older, so they're just yeah. like, okay, they just know it'll be a one-story house. it will need to have a little bit of yard because they've always enjoyed having yep. a dog. We have a dog right now. So just stuff like that. They just know, okay, this is what we're mm-hmm. going to look for. Stuff like that. And so they are definitely prepared for when because we're going to be all out of the house in four years. Everyone's wow. going to be gone. So it
0: sounds like and she sounds so happy.
6: <laughs> she's a happy person.
0: Yeah. Or is she happy cuz you're all going to be out of the house and she has a plan?
6: Probably. Or yeah. she's
0: just inherently happy.
6: Um both, I would say. But you know, she still misses me. Sometimes she'll be like, "Hey, you should call me. <laughs> you should call me more. <laughs> <I know>. Hey, <laughs> hey
0: pal, you should give me a buzz." Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting to be the college kids whose parents are empty nesting. Uh, Rob, are your parents, your parents are empty nesting,
8: right? Off and on. Yeah, it depends. I Straggler. Can, comes well I watch the uh, stress level of my parents change depending on how many yeah. kids are going to get to their home at the time and it's a gender-based thing. What do you mean? What do you my see? My mom is cool as a cucumber when it comes to uh, having really? any, any of us guys move back in. Oh yeah, she likes her boys. We yeah, well, right. someone to talk to, hang out with. My sister moves in. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Two women oh, boy. going at it. Oh, boy. Yeah, but problem? it's true the other way around.
0: The dad and you guys. Oh, the
8: arguing and the arguing and the Isn't arguing. Isn't it interesting? You'd think that love would just always be there.
5: <laughs> well, there uh, is.
8: It's just with your parent of the uh, opposite gender. It's uh, We it's, get along great with mom argue with dad. Oh, and then my And when sister, heavens. she comes home. Gets along great with dad and argues with mom. Fight night. But what the about best you? of all is we all have our own place and that you're all works. grown up and it works.
3: And that works best of all.
8: Well, I think it's cool. Sky, what about you, bro? Am
3: I, am my parents empty huh They're not. I'm the oldest. Are you really? I am. Out of how many? Four.
6: Oh, <laughs> wait. Good number. <laughs> we have four. Um, <laughs> you're
3: the oldest?
0: Yeah. And you're what? Paved the way.
3: 16. Uh, 15 and a
0: half. 50, almost, 16. <laughs> almost 16. Getting your license Getting out. my license soon. So, six months. So
3: excited. I <laughs> know. I
0: saw Rob out there driving. Did with you it. bring
8: your uh, learner's permit today for practice after work. Yeah, yeah, I got, work. It. I got okay. it. Yeah, it. Yellow lights, they're tough, but uh, I think you'll pick those up today. <laughs> yeah.
3: Stop does not mean a slight tap on pedal.
0: <laughs> I, I did you
3: stop for three I've never seconds. driven with you, Matt. You're just making assumptions right now. Okay, sorry.
0: <laughs> so, because um, I, I can't even imagine my kids going. Except like last night I go home and they're everywhere. I have kids. I have kids everywhere. I have six kids. Well,
6: your kids are pretty young. Like your youngest ones are pretty young. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And we tried to see to get them to move out. (laughs) and they literally have nowhere to go just give them to the
3: monkeys or the goats yeah that's why (laughs) why i told my
0: wife that animals can raise our kids Uh, she told me that when she leaves me alone with them they already are raising their kids which i found rude that's very rude (laughs) so we might get some goats because we have a back shed (laughs) and if we get some goats and put the kids back there it's a big deal we're talking empty nesters And we're going to be bringing on some experts after this break. Uh, Dr. Jim and Linda Brooks are going to be with us. Um, They have spent a lot of time helping couples through this stage of life. Some of the research shows that it's a scary stage because uh, it's not always, you know, there's issues. It's kind of stressful. All of a sudden you have to face your marriage and figure out if you really want to be with each other. some studies show that actually your your divorce rates go up during this stage of empty nesting. And I think our experts, our J- Jim and Linda Brooks, are going to tell us it doesn't have to be that way. There are ways to get healthy. There are ways to get your life taken care of. And maybe one of the best is to follow the advice of Kristen Allred, Madison's mom, who just was planning on it. And she didn't even want her name in there. So that's why we're calling her Kristen Alfredo. <laughs> Um, just in case anyone knows Kristen already,
6: <laughs> she's a great lady. I kind a great of like lady. her, but I'm a little bit biased. You're so, totally yeah, biased. You know. <laughs> and
0: um, does does by the way, does Kristen know about your dating practices with older men? <laughs> anyway, she does now. So we're going to come back talking to Jim uh, Brooks and his wife Linda Brooks. They're going to teach us the ins and the outs. The ups and the downs of empty nesting, how to make it through healthy, happy, how to love your partner again and create a healthy life together after the children move out. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
8: Travel the musical road of American history on Highway 89 Scenic Byway. With music from talented musicians from BYU campus and across the globe, Highway 89 brings you the best performances from classical to jazz and folk to rock. Tune in for a musical journey with Highway 89 at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Syrian government has indicated they are likely to accept the truce deal put together by a U.N. mediator that will declare a ceasefire for this weekend's Islam holiday. The U.N. Security Council is urging all national and international parties with influence in the region to help enforce the ceasefire. The measure is the first significant step in decreasing the Syrian violence in months. Leaders of the Free Syrian Army, an opposition group, have also indicated their support for the holiday ceasefire, assuming the Assad regime takes the first steps. Further proving the uncertainty of the presidential race, Mitt Romney took a one point lead in the polls today, which President Barack Obama held yesterday. The online Reuters poll shows that registered voters have switched today to support the GOP candidate, but the slim margin is statistically insignificant. The poll also asks voters if their opinion about the candidates has changed recently based on the debates. Most responded that the third and final debate, which took place earlier this week, did not change anything about their opinions of either candidate. With the election just about two weeks away, efforts to misinform and pressure voters are picking up in swing states. Voters in Florida, Virginia, and Indiana have received phone calls telling them there is no need to vote in person as you can do it over the phone, which is false. Some top companies, including those owned by the prominently Republican Koch brothers, are urging all of their employees to vote Republican. Billboards in low-income areas of Ohio and Wisconsin show men behind bars and have messages about the illegality of voter fraud, which critics say are meant to deter low-income minority voters. Deceptive and intimidating tactics are generally seen in the last few days before an election, but this season it seems all the stops have come out a little early. The Millennium Bomber has been resentenced with a harsher term after an appeals court ruled that his original 22-year sentence was too lenient. The attempted bomb plot targeted the Los Angeles airport on the New Year's Eve 1999. Federal prosecutors had the case appealed to argue for the longer sentence after the bomber refused to cooperate with other investigations and rescinded his previous testimony about other terrorist suspects. The Seattle-based federal court obliged, and the sentence has been upped to 37 years. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, and today we are talking about empty nesting. You know, you get that joyous moment where you've raised your kids, you've trained them up well, you turn them to the sunset, and you send them on their way. And then sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't, sometimes they, uh, sometimes you wish they'd come back, because now when you turn back, you're just left with your partner. And many times we haven't spent much time with our partner as we've been raising our families. Uh, So today we are bringing on some experts. Dr. Jim Brooks is a practicing psychiatrist. He's published research on post-traumatic stress disorder. He's written several published papers and books On the use of natural medicine and mental health. And his wife, Jim, or Jim's wife, Linda, also uh, has many degrees in education and consciousness studies. She has a background as a management consultant and trainer where she taught communication skills and conflict resolution. So they put these things together and together they've created a workshop, a program about how to kind of deal with and And I guess, maximize relationships, especially at this stage of empty nesting, so Dr. Jim and Linda, welcome to the program.
9: Thank you so much Matt you Thank bet. you Matt
0: Good to have you on the show and uh, now, this empty nester you you 're both empty nesters, I assume
9: yes, we are in fact, I just this last month wrote my last check uh, support check to my son who. Graduated from college uh, a few months back, but I still was helping him out because he couldn't find a job, yeah. couldn't find a job. All of a sudden now, he found two jobs all at once. Wow.
4: That's got to feel like, so okay, good.
9: Baby, this is the last job, <laughs> you know? You're and, free I mean, and I, clear. I, my fingers are crossed, but, you that's... know, and it really is amazing. It's an, It's a feeling of tremendous liberation.
0: Isn't that great? And that's joy, <laughs> and you're free, and... Yet, so many people, when they get to this stage, they don't really know what to do, do they?
10: You know, Matt, you spoke about the joy of when the last child leaves home, and something that struck me is that it's not always a joy. Yeah, uh... Very often, for a lot of couples, that's when reality sets in. Mm-hmm.
0: And the reality is we that's... haven't, we don't Go even ahead. know who we're with. The reality is we've kind of lost ourselves in these children.
10: My theory is that if, when there are children, if the couple didn't keep their their relationship a priority, then the children become the biggest priority, and in that way, the couple is able to avoid what's really going on between the two of them.
4: Mm.
10: And so 20, 25, 30 years later, when the last kid leaves home, (coughs) suddenly they look at each other and go, "Uh uh-oh, who's this person? Yeah, who are
4: you?
9: And, so, and, and Matt, even sometimes uh, a, uh, a man or woman in the relationship is just holding on, actually thinking about getting a divorce as soon as the last kid leaves.
0: Yeah, a lot of so them are. are kind huh? of
9: holding out because, hey, you know, they don't want to hurt the kids.
0: Right. I just read some Quote, research unquote. that says that the divorce rate actually goes up 16% at that stage. Correct. Well, people yeah. are trying to figure surprised. it
10: out. Yeah. I'm not surprised to learn that statistic.
0: Well, and it's and it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, it's. I guess some of it is we're just busy, right? We have these kids. We're busy. Some of it is we might be hiding. Some of, I guess, some of this is, and we'll get into this eventually. That we don't have the skills to relate, and then once we start having kids, we don't have the time to work on the skills to relate. That seems like some of the excuses or things I hear from couples that are going through these stages.
10: I think that it's the easy way out to say, oh, well, instead of dealing with perhaps what my partner did that upset me, instead of talking to my partner about it, um, I just sort of shove it under the mattress, you know, and get on and take care of the family and take care of the kids. You know, the word that I use is it's easy to deflect Mm -hmm. away from the relationship between the two partners towards just making the family or the children the priority. We see that a lot.
0: I think, I bet you do. And is it, it seems like, I mean, a lot of us got married younger, so we were, we were fairly naive to who we were anyway. And then we get into a marriage, which is a whole new dynamic. And then relatively quickly, we start adding children, which is a whole new dynamic. And then the children fade away, and we're left back to our second dynamic, and we don't have a clue what to do there. Is, right. that, is that why you guys put together the workshop?
9: Exactly. I mean, it, it's hard enough, Matt, when, let's say, if there aren't children, it's, it's, marriage is hard enough, Yeah. yeah even, even with that. But then adding kids onto it, too, it does add the, add more stress, and it does make things just more difficult because there's less time to be together, and that you know, adds a stress on the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so there's definitely the the the, the stress of, of marriage with kids on top of it. But what happens is, unfortunately, we don't get a course in how to be in relationship. No, Please, they I don't. never did. No way. Yeah, you know, relationship 101. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Nothing. No. And so we really come in unprepared. We, it's, it's not like, even if we're learning to drive, at least they give us a course. <laughs> drive right. That. And at least you Life. have
0: someone driving with you for a while and a coach, you know.
9: Yeah. So our idea is we see so many couples, especially in the emptiness time, who are just dumbstruck. They don't know where to go once their kids are gone, mm-hmm. and they're facing each other, and they're like, who is this person? And they don 't have the skills they don 't have the knowledge to, to to be with each other to become more intimate with each other, and they have a lot of old habits that they 've picked up along the way, so we are very passionate about keep, keeping couples together and enriching couples' lives just by teaching them some very basic skills
0: what What are the skills and um, what are the skills that you see are most commonly uh, lacking in couples at that stage and it's probably maybe they're the same skills that we lack through all stages. Um, But what are the skills that that seem to be lacking
10: the most? So the first thing that I want to say is that the same skills that apply when we become empty nesters Mm -hmm. are the skills that we should be using when we're newly married. Because essentially they're the skills of being in relationship with someone, in an intimate relationship. And I think probably one of the most important skills that a couple needs to learn is how to be able to communicate with each other safely when things aren't good. Because none of us need to learn how to go through the good times together. That's right, what that means. we can do. Right. But what happens is that when my partner does something that I'm not happy with, I think it's really important that I should be able to talk to my partner about it in a way that doesn't shame him, in a way that doesn't put him down, but in a way that is honoring to me, Mm. so that he can become aware of how his actions impacted me. And I think that if couples would learn even just that early on in the early days of their relationship, they won't hit the problems when they become empty nesters.
0: Yeah, that seems like that lack of, that inability, what I see in my own practice is the inability to communicate safely means we, we either end up uh, you know, blowing stuff up and fighting more, which is unsafe, or mm-hmm. we start hiding stuff more and putting, you know, I call that the we start pushing it all underground. That's it. But it's yes. going to eventually come out one way or another.
10: Correct. And, and every, uh, oh, go ahead, Mark. I was
0: just going to say, and and I guess when it would come out is, you know, if we if we're if we're staying in this marriage because our kids are important, then we would just wait till they're gone. <laughs> then it's going to come out.
9: Exactly. And what I what I see is that anger, resentment, is something that just can build and build and build and be unexpressed over time. And it's like a wedge. The wedge just gets more and more deeper and deeper, and the the gap between the couple gets further and further apart because, uh, like, I mean, I'm I'm a perfect example. I'm somebody who never really learned how to express anger, and so my tendency has, has always been to kind of just keep it to myself and not say anything if I'm right. mad at Linda about something. But I learned, you know, I've learned over the years through taking relationship workshops and really working, are uh, working on our on relationship that each time a conflict comes up, even if it's something small, to speak up, to, to, to let Linda know what's going on in a way that's safe, and that's a skill that has to be learned. So that nothing builds up over time. Yeah, I think it's just little resentments, little resentments. They build and build, and pretty soon there's just it's like there's like a wall between the two couples.
0: Well, I think that's that's huge. And then and then it almost seems like we end up. um, And I think this is just part of our physiology, our own brain, our own amygdala, that fight or flight part of us, kind of just starts making up stories about our partner. (laughs) Like they are a threat, like they're out to get us. So then all of a sudden we're always reacting to what they do, kind of more react, we're just being more reactive to our partner than actually sorting through stuff and being real.
9: Yeah, and in fact, in our, in our workshop, one of the things we do is we take a look at that amygdala rea- a reaction. We call that the, the reptilian part of yeah. our health. You know, that, that when, when my partner triggers me, uh, there, there's some wounding, you know, that, that happened way back when, and and she says something or does something that triggers me, and I immediately go on the defensive. My yeah. my iguana or my whatever yeah. kind of reptile you that can pick from, <laughs> just comes out and, and uh, to protect myself. Yeah. And then it just it's just a snowballing uh-huh. vicious cycle. Well, and then your
0: partner so one, would one react we, to your one lizard. One of the things we
9: <laughs> teach is to is to how to recognize when I'm being triggered how to recognize that and immediately let my partner know so that she so that she can then help me and take care of me at that time it it's it's the ability to become vulnerable even just for a second or mm. two rather than just go on a defensive and that takes some training
2: yeah absolutely that, that's
9: another thing we really work with people on is to how to when triggered how to uh Instead of just going on the defensive, recognizing what's going on, give a signal to our partner, and then, in my case, I'll say, give Linda a signal, and she'll come and, and kind of soothe me and help me at more at the level where my vulnerability is, rather than just at this defensive level going back and forth to reptiles. Yeah.
0: that To that's- me, that's what real partnerships are about, then, is we're... We're going to help each other through these reactive moments. We're not going to react just because you're reacting. I mean, Linda doesn't need to turn into a snake because you're a lizard.
10: Um, <laughs> so, Absolutely. Right? And I think that, that another um, thing that couples need to know is that it is inevitable that we are going to trigger our partner. Sure. As hard as we try not yep. to, it's inevitable that that's going to happen.
0: I agree. And so like, that's the key, is we need to then know what to do when the trigger takes place and, then, and how to kind of soothe each other, how to get exactly. through it together instead of turning it into a fight. Yeah.
9: And, the, and the ironic thing is that the conflict, when it comes out, can actually become an opportunity for closeness and, and intimacy. Yeah, because like you be, were
0: saying, you're vulnerable.
9: Yeah. And if we can and, be vulnerable. And if, one has this, if one has the skills... How to negotiate those times, then those moments, those that become opportunities to really get more close and intimate if one, if the couple can work through that in a, in a clean kind of way, in a healthy kind of way. Oh, then I it's like, it. oh wow, we did it together, hey, and it's this feeling of closeness that's just incredible and,
10: and the relationship
9: builds You know, in a positive way. I
0: think it's profound. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. And when we come back from this break, we're going to have, we're going to be bringing on a couple of participants, friends of Jim and Linda, who have gone through their program, um, empty newly, uh, new empty nesters, and they're going to give us kind of their take on what they've learned. We're going to then get into a lot of solutions and tools from Jim and Linda and uh, just do what we can to give you the skills to uh, effectively manage your relationships through the empty nesting stage. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
11: all try to do our part to conserve water. We take shorter showers, we turn off the faucet while we're brushing our teeth, but what about when we wash our clothes?
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future.
11: Americans use more than 350 billion gallons of water on laundry every year. That's a lot of water. And that's one reason Zeros Limited is working on a solution. Harnessing over 30 years of research by the University of Leeds, the British based company created a washing machine that uses special stain absorbing nylon beads to clean clothes. Under humid conditions, nylon polymer attracts dirt and absorbs it into its center. So these special beads in the washer remove dirt from clothes by absorbing it into their molecular structure, using hardly any water. According to the company, this means about 90% less water is needed to wash clothes compared to conventional washing machines. The washers look pretty much like traditional washers, but they also use less electricity and detergent to get the job done. And those special nylon beads, they can be used over and over hundreds of times. This could translate to more than a billion tons of fresh water saved per year, about 17 million swimming pools worth. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Start your day right with Marcus Smith and the morning team. We're going to talk about um, just stuff, you know, lots of things that show up that that once we're in your home and they go to somebody else's home and how do they get there? Maybe by way of a thrift store.
1: Join in for conversation on current topics and events from around BYU campus and the world and get your morning talking. Tune into the morning show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about healthy empty nesting, how to make it through and and, and strengthen your marriage uh, while your family's kind of uh, going their way. How do we keep our love alive? We're talking to Dr. Jim Brooks, who's a practicing psychiatrist, and Linda Brooks, his wife, uh, she is a, an expert in communication skills, conflict resolution, change management. They've put together a program for couples that I, I believe you can find it on adventuresinpartnering.com. Uh, Jim and Linda Brooks, you there with us? Yeah. Is that yeah. is that the website yeah. to find it on, adventuresinpartnering.com? com?
9: Correct.
5: Okay,
0: and uh, just a great place to go. And they offer these weekend, their weekends, I guess. Or are they? Are they? Uh, how long do they go? These classes that that you teach.
10: Yes, Matt, they're a weekend workshop. Um, sometimes we run them as a residential workshop, in which case people would arrive by about six on Friday evening and leave by about four thirty-five on Sunday. Sometimes we run them, um, in, like for instance, in we live in a small town. So in our town, we run them non-residential that people can actually stay at home or if they come from out of town, they can stay in a local hotel or bed and breakfast. That's great. And then we meet on Friday evening. All day Saturday and all day
0: Sunday. Love it. And and what you do is you go through these skills. Some of, we've kind of gotten into a few of the skills: communication uh, and some of the other skills. But one of the couples that has been to this program with you and has kind of learned your tools, your skills, they are uh, they're friends, right? Uh, Michael and Don McKay, and they're going to be joining us. Michael and Don, are you on the phone? Yes, we are.
10: Yes, we
0: are. <laughs> so you've been through the program with Jim and Linda and uh and you're also empty nesters tell tell us what you learned in in that whole process.
12: well, we're recent empty nesters. Our daughter left uh, in august for uh, as a freshman in college. she's our only child uh, 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 that we have and and uh
13: it was quite a Big transition. <laughs>
12: was it
0: big? Did Did you go through either of you uh, some of the depression that we were talking about with Linda? That kind of that seems to go around as part of empty nest syndrome.
13: Yeah, there, I think there was for a, a period of time, especially for me, that I felt uh, kind of just a, a general sort of sadness. I guess you mm-hmm. would say that kind of uh, was took its time and. Uh, you know and dissipating um i guess i wouldn't call it a full-blown depression but i it definitely colored my day it's for kind a of while. just sad and, it's a uh, sadness I'll go ahead
0: i was just saying it's like a, it's a sadness you're it's almost like you're mourning a loss
13: yeah there's a kind of a little grief process for sure a cycle of being up and down and uh and finding a new way to operate uh, in our relationship together and and in our daily routine. And for me, it was uh, rather stunningly and
12: shockingly uh, (laughs) painful. Uh, It was kind of uh, unexpected, uh, even though we could see it clearly coming for a long way away. And uh, the interesting thing was is that I, I felt that the transition was as dramatic for me as it was when we first brought her home, you know, really? there was a you know this new life in our our life that suddenly became the focal point, and all of a sudden, you know, oh hey, I know you, you know, yeah. now I got to focus back on this uh, primary original relationship. Isn't that and interesting? And it was a rediscovery process, and I thought it was very fortunate that we at that time took uh, the uh, program that Jim and Linda offered because uh, that really helped us. Uh, orient ourselves.
0: What, what did you notice uh, as you went through the program? What, what did what did you learn the, that helped the most? What were some of the things that stood out for you as, you know, essential to being able to make it through this stage?
12: Well, I think one of the most important things that uh, the uh, program really offers is to uh, discover uh, a way uh, that you can create Greater endearment on a daily basis.
13: Yeah, there's a daily ritual that I really appreciated because it it sets off um, a daily routine for us, um, and it, it it grows every day, which is a beautiful hmm. beautiful
12: thing to have. There were actually several different things that uh, we learned during the uh, during the weekend. There is a, a particular kind of conflict resolution methodology that they use, which I thought was very good, um, But that's, uh, uh, and that's very valuable. Uh, we don't have a tremendous amount of conflicts, but we've used it, uh, uh, I think, once or so. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other one that uh, uh, we learned that was uh, something was really new, and that, that had to do with how to call for help. Hmm. When one of us or the other was actually uh, feeling like, oh, you know what, I'm kind of succumbing to a uh, a pattern that really doesn't work for me. That's so, the
0: one that Jim and Linda were just talking about. Is, is that, uh, Jim and Linda, is that the one that you were talking about before our break where you just, exactly. you can just say, hey, yeah. I'm losing it here.
9: Yeah, and we go through a whole uh, series of of uh, yeah we uh are working with a couple to get what what is their deepest vulnerability what is a, what is the deepest, most painful thing that gets triggered by, by, by conveniently by my partner? Hmm. She seems to know how to press that button every time yeah. You know, magically <laughs> yeah, well yeah,
0: she's mastered that button that's her favorite <laughs> button
9: yeah <laughs> and then, and then what
0: you do, I guess is you, you get them deep to understand what their deepest vulnerability is, and then you help them create together a way to, to invite the other people person to help them handle this moment differently.
10: Yes, the first thing is that the person who's been triggered actually needs to take ownership and recognize what is happening to them. Hmm. And in that in that state, then ask the partner for help, and then the second thing is that we work with the partners so that the partner will know exactly how to respond in the most appropriate way to give the help that's needed at that time.
0: Well, that's huge, and uh, think of that too—how important that would be at this stage when we're already vulnerable. <laughs> and <Exactly. laughs> right—is that what you guys noticed, uh, Michael and Don? Is you're already vulnerable anyway? But to right. learn those skills, it's almost like you, you started new, new.
13: Oh, very definitely. Yeah, I would yeah. say that that's a wonderful way to, to describe it. And um, I also appreciated that uh, along with these tools, I have a little crib sheet mm. <laughs> to help me. It's like, oh, I'm in this spot. I'm going to go. Run to my reference, and then we can deal with it. It's, it's so helpful.
0: Isn't it great? Because it seems like we a lot of people think that this should just be natural. You should yeah. just you should just naturally communicate. I mean, if we loved each other, it would just be easy. <laughs> and, and then every, whenever somebody, <laughs> somebody says that, I think yeah, it should be natural and easy. Like I don't know, childbirth. Yeah, <laughs> which is just so natural.
10: That's probably well, be the know, biggest we illusion. That's it's, probably the biggest illusion that people live under yeah. is that we're all born with the ability of how to be in a successful relationship, right? Mm-hmm.
0: No, and in a way, we're almost more born, kind of innately. It seems like to just self-preserve uh, versus to preserve the relationship seems kind of like an afterthought. Yeah, <laughs> <It's,
9: laughs> no,
12: that's, when that's comes, more primary. Yeah, multiple it's, individuals when when more than one person is involved. With when I have to be involved with any other person, I have to start thinking beyond myself. Mm. And if I'm not first clear about myself, it's very hard to think about the other person.
9: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
12: And so we become, you know, uh, there's a saying I like, that it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> and, um, you know, my wife reads my label, I read her label pretty darn well. Right. <laughs>
0: but... Yeah, we can read everyone else's label.
12: Yeah, but it's kind of hard to read my own, you know? Yeah, but <laughs> their label's the so messed up. The relationship where we can learn to actually help each other grow. I right?
0: think that's... I mean, the neat thing I think I'm hearing is that this is teachable, this is learnable. Um, as as we kind of wrap up this segment, uh, I'd love to hear um, from Michael and Dawn, what, uh, what stands out, like, how has it really impacted you as a couple now, to be able to to be together, to be alone and, and maybe take your marriage relationship to this whole new level.
12: Well, I think we recognize uh, we've been talking a lot about it as to what is our our next step. We realize that we have to create a new a life because the life that we have been focused on for the last 18 years is, is definitely changed. and so now, what are we going to do and we have to make it work and we're very optimistic about that
0: just having optimism to be together is probably worth whatever it costs to get into the program
13: <laughs> exactly do you know
0: what i mean
5: I,
13: we got a toolbox now that that works for us and i feel so fortunate it's like the pressure's off of how to make this next chapter in our life work it's it's going to be you know it's without sounding too corny mm-hmm. a new adventure that we're really looking forward to, which follows right in with adventures and partnering. yeah well for me it was just' it's
12: very very much close to that It's like
13: it' the question of
12: whether we can is now how do we want to do it Yeah
0: love that. and it's really um, to me that is so hopeful. So as, as there's people out there driving home from work, or a truck driver going on a long haul and having to return home to his wife and their empty nesting uh, life. There's hope, is what you're saying.
13: Sure, yeah, and it's exciting. It's not just hopeful; it's it's exciting. We get to make a new a new chapter that we're looking forward to. I and I love think it. it's
12: also improved our relationship with our daughter. We don't feel there's this edge that was there of oh, you know, kind of this conflict of you're leaving now. But now we recognize. <laughs> She's launching. Yeah. And she's not leaving. She's launching.
0: She's not just leaving you with that lady, her mother.
12: Yeah. (laughs) It's great.
0: It's really, it's that really is, great. So, yeah. And I love the idea that it's exciting, because, I mean, really, that's why we fell in love in the first place. We're back. We can maybe make it back to exciting again. Well, so appreciate you, Michael and Don McKay, being on the phone with us. Um, yeah, we're going to well. take a break. When we come back, we are going to come back to Jim and Linda, and they're going to teach us some of their workshop. They're going to give us the tools, some more ideas, maybe talk about rituals, a little bit of conflict resolution. And uh, give us the tools we need to make this work. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
1: KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Last weekend, the Cougars almost pulled off the upset. Wide open, back of the end zone. Touchdown, Cody Hoffman.
2: The BYU left South Bend empty-handed, and with just four games remaining, need two wins for bowl eligibility. This week, the Cougars travel to Atlanta to take on the triple option attack of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. BYU football versus Georgia Tech, this Saturday on BYU Radio. Free game begins at 1 p.m. Eastern time, with kickoff scheduled for 3. Here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius
1: XM 143. BYU Radio. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Federal Reserve is suing the Bank of America on the basis that their mortgage fraud contributed to the collapse of the housing market. Bank of America purchased the loan giant countrywide in 2008 just before the economy fell into recession Countrywide was well known for approving risky loans and is at the center of a fraudulent approval program nicknamed Hustle. A U.S. attorney said that the company's loan practices were spectacularly brazen in their scope. Top economists say that for the economy to recover, recovery to really take hold, that the housing market is going to be one of the most important segments to bounce back. Last night, third-party candidates got their chance to face off and share their views about who should be the president of the United States in a debate moderated by Larry King and Christina Tobin. Libertarian Party nominee Gary Johnson, Green Party nominee Jill Stein, Constitution Party nominee Virgil Good, and Justice Party nominee Rocky Anderson all took part in the exchange, which started off with a question about how they felt about the top-two party system. Unsurprisingly, nearly all of the third-party candidates opposed the top two parties. Anderson described described them saying the two parties are putting a stranglehold on our democracy. And Johnson labeled President Obama and Mitt Romney as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Donald Trump has been talking up a big announcement that he said could have changed the presidential race. And today we finally found out what his big news is. Unsurprisingly, the news turned out to be less of a shock and more of a deal. Trump has offered to donate $5 million to the charity of President Barack Obama's choice if he will release his college and passport records. Trump has been one of the leaders of the birther movement, which claims that the president was not born in the U.S. The donation is only on the table until the 31st of this month, and it is unlikely that the Obama campaign will take this seriously. Facebook stock is finally starting to turn around after one of the worst initial public offerings in history. Stock prices rose 21% today to just over $23.50 on the heels of strong revenue reports based on the rising sales of mobile advertisements. The mobile ads accounted for 14% of Facebook's total revenue in the third quarter, a strong growth for the company which had no mobile ads just a year ago. Despite the spike in stock prices, levels are still nowhere near the original offering price of $38, which means there still may be a long way before going public starts to look like a profitable move. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. (laughs) Skylar's giving me this look because he doesn't think I'm moving fast enough on the microphone. Taking forever. Man, you young punk. (laughs) This is the problem with you kids, you you Y-gens. You Y-generation. You just need to
3: relax, man, relax. You don't understand. Life's not this fast. I'm 15 and a half. I've lived a long time. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's crazy. Well, Rob, what were you going to say?
8: My academic advisor says that I shouldn't relax because it's bad for my prerequisites. Good point. Good point. You should work. All of you should work. Let me just go slow.
0: Anyway, uh, we're talking today about empty nesting, and we um, have some experts we're going to be bringing on in a minute uh, who can guide us through. They're going to give us some skills, some some tools. Show us, uh, really, how to connect, how to create some more intimacy in that stage when we're left with nobody else but the person we started the whole race with, our partners. And so we're going to get back to uh, Jim Brooks and his wife, Linda. And uh, But before we do, to truly understand why your adult children or grandchildren may act like boomerangs, and make it impossible to empty out your house, because some people just don't have their kids leave. Or they do, and they keep coming back, as we talked about earlier on the show. You need to take a trip into the crazy ADHD-riddled mind of a Generation Y young adult.
8: So you went to all this trouble to get your kid off to college. Working overtime, mortgaging the house, anything, just a little junior and little Juliet get an edge over the competition on this 21st century economy and go off and make lots and lots of money. Says Junior as he comes through your front door with his diploma in European Middle Ages Cultural Diversity in his hand to hang on your wall in your frame in your house, paid for with your home equity loan payment. Where he sits in your chair in front of your TV watching the exact same cartoon he was watching five years ago when he left for college. Scooby Doo,
7: where are you? We got some work to do now.
8: Boomerang being the term the Pew Research Center calls those one in three adults, ages 25 to 34, who are coming back home, the highest rate since, well, practically right after World War II. And a lot higher than back in the 1980s when you and practically every other adult was going out and forming their own households. But if it makes you feel any better, it's just as bad in the U.K., worse in Italy, where they even have a word for it, they call it a which I hear means big baby. So is Generation Y just lazy? Don't want this responsibility. Maybe. Don't use me because I don't But uh, those jobs just aren't paying what they used to, especially if you have to go work at the grocery store after graduation because it's the only job you can find, right? Hey, plus those student loan payments. There's no money left for rent afterward.
4: Responsibility. What's that? Responsibility.
8: It's not that Gen Y doesn't want to form a household and get married. Polls and data show huge support for it. Problem is they just don't have a whole lot of confidence that they're going to be able to pay for it. Why even try to pay for it when those baby boomer parents are just so nice that you stay at their house? I don't want to think about it. They feed you everything. That's the key.
0: If you just quit feeding them, they'll either die or go away. So, if you need help and you got these boomerang kids that keep coming back, don't feed or water them for a week and see what happens. Um, Actually, that's just bad, mean advice. But uh, we've been talking about empty nesting. Now, some, you know, but the boomerang kids are a real deal. And so we need the skills to communicate and to relate and to connect as a partnership, whether our kids come back or they stay away. We need to know how to relate to each other and to connect. We brought our experts, Jim Brooks, who's a practicing psychiatrist, um, and his wife Linda Brooks, who is a trainer, a management consultant expert. She's taught uh, has, a, has a double uh, has a degree in education and consciousness studies, and really they they've they've given some powerful tools already for how to make sure your relationship can grow healthy and strong. Before the break, we brought on um, two of their clients that had come to one of their programs. Um, and they just talked about some of the wonderful things they learned. So we're going to bring Jim Brooks back on, and Linda, are you with us again?
9: Yes, we are. Yes, we're here.
0: Well, as we, as we go through this last segment, what I'd love to hear are, are just some of the tools. What are some of the things that, that you've seen in your, your experience with people that, that seem to matter the most? We've talked a little bit about, um, I guess, kind of the, the how to call for help. You know when when you're struggling and you're frustrated and you start to feel that you're being triggered a little bit, how do you enroll your partner to help you? We've learned a little bit about that, but can you can you tell us maybe a little more about that the um uh, M- the McKays brought up the fact that you also talk about rituals and the importance of having some connected moment every day
9: yeah, uh, the rituals actually uh, John Gottman, who's one of the uh, major researchers uh, working with a relationship relationships, uh, he says that, uh, he has found that uh, if the more positive rituals a couple has, the more likely they're going to have a successful relationship. And by positive rituals, there's, the sky is the limit, but it just basically means spending time together, spending quality time together, and ritual just means regularly, so, so regular might, time connecting regular time connecting it's huge and it might be going to a movie every every Friday night together it might be having dinner together at night it might be giving a kiss uh, before you know when when leaving the house and coming back home or hug these these things that get built in as rituals are are really powerful and on, on our on our workshop we teach some specific rituals that people hadn't heard of before that just really puts into place a very loving interaction, Hmm. very brief, but very loving uh, interaction between the couple that they do every day on a regular basis.
0: It seems like when you're dating, you're doing these rituals all the time, back in the day. Oh, yeah. I I think the
10: thing about ritual is that it's something that we do on a regular basis. Hmm. And so... As you say, when we 're dating, we might have a regular date night in place, right. but what happens is very often when we start having kids, that falls away right
0: and then and, and then the when it's no longer regular, I mean regular for some seems like that would be you know monotonous and boring, but regular in marriage, I found is very healthy
10: right, because what happens is it 's very easy to to get lost in. Everything that has to be done, the sort of task-oriented side of Mm -hmm. being married, you know, getting the kids off to school and getting the meals prepared and getting the house cleaned and such like. And so what we're um, reminding people about is the importance of, on a regular basis, paying attention and giving attention to your relationship.
9: One really good example that I've picked up along the way, I hope Linda has noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I never really asked her. But every time I send her an email, because we work, we don't work in the same place uh, often, but we email back and forth. Every time I send her an email, I try to say something loving in the email, or give one of those, you know, those little pictures mm-hmm. that you can click. I just uh, uh, a flower, or a heart, or a smiley face, or huh. every single time I just make it a habit, a ritual, and that's the that's an example of a something putting putting something into place on a regular basis That's and Linda, how, did that, how does that work for you i never really asked you
10: is, if you really want to know the truth yes i am aware of the little mm. touch of i'm thinking of you in a positive way that he's building in and it's wonderful it just sort of reminds me oh even though this person is my business partner he's also my personal my intimate partner
0: mm. See that's the and that notice that's just a little effort but it it just pays such a huge dividend doesn't it
10: And it's so easy i think for us to get lost in in sort of our own lives i'm busy doing this he's busy doing that and so something that we do on a regular basis and it also um, one of the things that we teach couples is the importance of eye contact mm, because yeah. Most people, you know, hardly look at each other. And so it's just on a regular basis make sure that you're looking at each other, that you're actually connecting with each other. And,
9: and I've heard that, I haven't really found the research, but one of our mentors told us about a research study where the average amount of time that a couple uh, consciously looks at each other's eyes per week is 30 seconds or less. Mm. That is sad,
0: because when you were first dating, you couldn't take your eyes off each other. I know. And now we can barely look at it. Don't make me look at you. I'm married to you. Isn't that sad? But I guess, so you're just saying, a lot of this just sounds um, like making intentional things that matter, uh, like little loving rituals, eye contact, and making that an intentional act.
10: Yeah, I think that that's a very good way of of understanding what we're saying, because... Too often, um, we 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 just we don't think of being intentional about the relationship. So, as you say, it's just a matter of switching our attention and saying, "I am intentionally going to focus on my partner here," and and it just needs to take a few seconds.
9: Another good ritual that, at least in my opinion, a good ritual that we recommend couples do, especially after they take our workshop and gain some skills, but anyone could could do this, and that is. About once a week, just sit together for maybe 10 minutes and just talk about anything, anything at all that's going on. Because oftentimes things happen, things build up, emotions build up, sometimes just ideas build up. And we never communicate with each other about it. So we just say five minutes for one one person, they just talk, the other person just listens. And then the other person has five minutes just to talk. The other person just listens. Well, don't That's am I not huge.
0: supposed to fix it? Because when I listen, I like to just fix it for why. <laughs>
9: That's, right. That's why the other person just listens. That's it. <laughs> what
10: what That's a relief to man, just know.
0: <laughs> I am a total man. But what, what a relief to know that all we have to do is just you can share and I can just hear it.
10: That's it. And And that's also, of course, where we can sneakily build in some time for eye contact. mm -hmm. Because while I'm listening, I'm looking at and making eye contact with my partner.
0: Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I mean, and and I found that eye contact, I do activities with my clients as well on that. And honestly, I don't know that I've ever found anything that creates more softening Mm
10: -hmm.
0: and more closeness than somebody just doing eye contact. Yeah. I yeah. mean it really you wouldn't think it would make that big of a deal but it's it's just so real, isn't it? It, it you yeah. can no longer I can no longer just treat you like this irrelevant thing if I'm looking in your eyes.
10: Yeah. Yeah. Because the expression goes that the eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're really opening up to our partners. You know, we like to play on the words Intimacy, that intimacy is, a, is, you can regard it as into me see, mm. intimacy. And so if we're making eye contact and talking to each other and and you're really listening to me, this is my turn to talk and you're not going to try and fix it and you're not going to correct me, you're just going to hear what I have to say, then I really have the experience that you are into me seeing.
0: I love that, and that's, to me, that's, if we could just get that spirit down, it seems like everything else would kind of follow.
10: Mm-hmm.
0: You mm. know? We, we...
10: And you know, Matt, while we're on the topic of communication, something else that we really emphasize with people is when you're talking, to really own what is your own opinion mm. versus what Happened? What factually happened? So instead of saying to your partner, "You did such and such," to rather say, "It seemed to me that you were doing such and such," okay. so that I'm owning that—that's my interpretation of what yeah. you did.
0: Instead of stating it, that's what we tend to do, huh? Is we kind of just we just we state our opinions um, as a fact instead mm-hmm. of like an impression. Or a sense, you know, we, and we're so strong that it seems like we end up, I don't know, it seems like just our very language, like you're trying to get the language straight, uh, makes it so much easier for me to hear.
10: Right, and I think that probably 80% of communication problems can be solved if people would simply own their assessment or interpretation, or sort of the story that I tell myself mm-hmm. is that you're doing such and such. Yeah.
0: In my view, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think in that's. In my view. And so that's kind of where we say the I's instead of the you. You're such a. Exactly.
9: Yeah. There's another piece to communication, too, that we really emphasize that's good for people to be aware of, mm-hmm. and that's feelings. In every conversation, it's useful to I, to own what it is that I'm feeling. As opposed to, like so many people say, you made me feel such and such a way. Yeah. Or oh, I feel you're a such and such a way. And actually, Feelings are like colors. There's primary colors, and there's and most researchers identify there's there's four or five primary feelings. So in the course of talking to your partner, if you can just say, use uh, identify what which feeling is is up for me. Am I sad? I'm sad that. Mm. Am I angry? I'm angry that when such and such happened. I feel angry. Just doing that, owning the feelings rather than putting them onto somebody else. It's also huge.
0: It's powerful. It's also powerful because I I actually can hear what you're saying. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're feeling angry. Yes. In, yes. Instead of me having to guess, are you angry or are you exactly. just being rude,
9: or, or expressing anger anger sideways or in a passive aggressive way uh-huh. or in, in, an ag- in an aggressive way rather say state it and own it.
0: I love that. As we uh, as we wrap up now, can you can you each give us just give us what's the one thing that if, we, if, if, our, if our listeners could just take away one thing, what is the one thing that makes the biggest difference maybe as, as we're left in this empty nesting stage? If we could only choose one of your skills, one idea that, we, that you found to be so critical, what would that be?
9: I would say just knowing that my partner is my friend and is my healer. That she has the capacity, he or she, has the capacity to really help me grow and, and be there for me uh, rather than uh, as a friend and as an ally, rather than as an enemy. And it's just a matter of learning the skills so to enable that to happen. Love that. Uh, Linda,
0: how about you?
10: I think for me, probably the most important is to not stuff our feelings, but to be willing to talk to our partner and tell our partner what is going on for us so that so that it doesn't build inside of us but that we are able to share with our partner what's going on mm,
0: and the, and through the sharing and the willingness to share i guess that's where the partnerships become
10: right powerful right.
0: stuff and yeah. they, so this is uh, dr jim brooks and uh, Linda Brooks, they are the, um, they're the their founders on www.adventuresinpartnering.com, where they have couples retreats for couples. I highly suggest you go check those out and just look at their website, see all their other services. They have FAQs there as well that you can, you can have answered, and it's a great way to contact them. To the Brooks family, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for uh, everything you've given us.
9: Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt.
0: And we appreciate that. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show, give you a few more insights, go over some of the human factor news, Uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of being human. Hopefully you're learning some tools to make your relationships better at whatever stage. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
4: Everyone knows floods are dangerous, but even a little water on the highway can be a big problem for drivers. Thankfully, NASA came up with a solution that's pretty groovy.
5: This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future.
4: If you've ever hydroplaned, you know a little bit of water on the road can lead to serious accidents. When there's enough water on the pavement, the tires of a fast-traveling vehicle can lift up off the roadway, losing traction and control. That goes for aircraft landing on a runway as well as cars on the highway. That's why NASA began researching ways to reduce hydroplaning in the 1960s. NASA's research intensified with the unique landing requirements of the space shuttle. Researchers proved that cutting thin grooves across concrete runways allowed water to drain better and reduced hydroplaning. Testing was conducted to figure out which groove patterns work best. Safety grooving has since been applied to hundreds of runways and highways around the world. The NASA safety grooving technology was even inducted into the U.S. Space Foundation's Hall of Fame for the practical application of aerospace research. Turns out, the groovy pavement even improves safety of pedestrian walkways on a wet day.
5: Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us.
11: Have you ever wanted to travel the world? Now you can experience the vibrant cultures and customs of countries across the globe and cities across America through the eyes and ears of folk artist Eric Dowdle. Tune in to Traveling with Eric Dowdle and travel the world weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody. See how quickly I jumped in on that one, Skyboy? Wow, that was really, really <laughs> fast. He gets so uptight. <laughs> no, he's cute. Uh, so we're doing the human news, and uh, this is where we like to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the humans. And who better to do that than my humanoid friends, the team, the group, the groupies. Skyboy's got a story for us. Sky, what do you got?
3: Okay, man, I've got a question for you. First, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? Whew. He's gone. I know. I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> this is what I want on my. I want this on
0: my tombstone. In quotes. I told you I was sick. Ooh, exclamation point. <laughs> that, would like,
6: so that, <laughs> oh, that would be so terrible. That'd be great. Oh my great. Rob's got
8: one. He would. Well, I guess now that uh, Steve Jobs is no longer with us, yes, he can't officially endorse a candidate, right? But that's okay because the candidates are in trying to get him to endorse them anyway. So uh, in a recent speech, uh, President Barack Obama said, We believe that a little girl who's offered an escape from poverty by a great teacher or a grant for college could become the next Steve Jobs. Hmm. And then Mitt Romney at the uh, Republican National Convention speech uh, back in August. Business is growing. Uh, business and growing jobs is about taking risks, sometimes failing. Well, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It usually uh, doesn't work out exactly how you would have imagined. Steve Jobs was fired at Apple, and he came back and changed the world. Interesting. They all love Steve. They're going for the Apple vote. (laughs) The Apple vote. So that's what Steve Jobs would put on his, is
0: I could run for president or something like that. Something like that. What were you – what's your – do you like
3: my my epitaph thing? I do like it, but – Because I saw you wipe a tear away. It just mean a lot to me, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so this guy in in Brazil, um, his family got a call saying he was a car washer, and his family got a call saying that he died. Oh. And his brother, his brother got the call in a
0: tragic car washing accident.
3: Um, I don't know how. It, oh, he it said he'd been shot dead. Oh my oh. heavens! And so they, uh, so his mom is holding a funeral for him, and while they're holding the funeral. Um, one of his buddies sees him walking down the street and says, hey, everyone's mourning your loss. And so he goes to their house and ev- they're having the funeral for oh, him when he shows up. Oh, my word. And it says Nothing. that people says that some people fainted and others were so scared that they ran away. <laughs> um, but what happened
0: is. Where have you been? Car wash.
3: There was another car washer who looked. Almost identical to him, they said, who was the one who got shot. Oh, oh my And so the brother came and, like, picked up the wrong body and took it to the funeral. Unbelievable. And it wasn't his brother, but they thought it was his brother. Wouldn't you be grateful but then freaked out? Like,
6: but the poor family of the other one, they're just Yeah, then like,
0: someone
8: else has got bad
6: news. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible.
8: Holy cow. So but you th- did knock on their door— uh, good, good news and bad news. Okay. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the good news, so and so down the street turns out he's alive. Bad oh, that's news. great. Is that great news? Yeah, bad uh,
0: news. Now your son. That's another story. That's horrible. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So that's a. We're, let's just go with the theme of things that were lost that now are found. Okay, let's go there because I know Madison Alfredo has a great one for us.
6: <sighs> okay. All red, Madison Allred. Oh, is it Allred? No. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just using it. He that. knows those mixed how up all the time. It's hard, is. Alfredo. So apparently there was a Marine who was stationed in Afghanistan who, um, he raised $4,000 so that he could be reunited with his best friend from there. It was a dog. Wow. Named Bolt. So. Uh, Bolt? Yeah. Like the cartoon Saul character.
0: Somebody's a Disney yeah. fan.
6: <laughs> I know. It's kind of funny, but. Um,
0: I thought the dog just made it back, but this guy had to raise money to get his dog back. Yeah. This was just some this was just some Afghanis, Afghani dog. How do you
8: need four thousand dollars to get your dog back? I think Is it in impound the dog? Well, he had to, quarantined Spay, and neutered, and like he had to get sprayed yeah. or neutered and he had to get his shots. Okay, we're up to a hundred dollars. Let's keep going.
0: <laughs> uh, we <laughs> are right, in it's Afghanistan. A lot more than okay,
6: that.
8: eight, nine hundred dollars for <laughs> airfare. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and then to fly them over and Visas, then for quarantine. You need
0: a visa. A dog visa. Doggy visa. <laughs> oh, man. I don't some, know. I, that math isn't adding up. Some, you know what? If I could make $4,000 a dog from Afghanistan.
6: Oh, my gosh.
8: Loaded. Here's a better idea. I'm sure there's all kinds of cheap dogs that you could pick up used right in Afghanistan. Oh, cheap, Get your cheap dogs here. Yeah. So he made it back?
6: He's yes. healthy? Yes, He's he happy. did. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's wrap it up with that. Madison Alfredo, you nailed it again. Your parents are so proud of you, Mr. and Mrs. Luigi Alfredo. Uh, Anyway, I don't know where Alfredo came from, but we just like to give people names on the shows just to keep their identities quiet. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for joining us. We're here every Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. We'd love to have you back tomorrow. More fun, more ideas on how to make it through this crazy thing we call life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
5: BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more
12: information, call 801-422-1448 or email
3: support at byu.edu. For regular updates on BYU Radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter, Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good.